welcome to episode 16 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 22nd of July, 2017. I'm Joe, and with me are Jesse. Your Lordship. <laughs> Fail him. <laughs> Sorry. Anarchy. Milady. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Not much news this time. Um, let's start with Jesse's tale of woe. So we looked at Pop OS last time. We were talking about it in the news, and we all checked it out, I think. You thought you had checked it out, and then you were kind of stuck with it. So tell us more. Well, I did ask him a question, and I feel guilty for two seconds, and then not. What was the question you asked? I asked you to run LSB underscore release dash A. Oh yeah, and I, so we, we finished the laptop, finished the uh, the podcast, and you asked me about that. So I booted my laptop in order to see what the response to that was, and for some reason it booted into Pop OS, which was unusual because I look at the the distros on live USBs, and therefore once you unplug the USB, and I thought right, it's fine. I've just left the USB in. No, there's no USB here. Fine. Okay, we'll see what happens. And it boots into Pop OS, and it turns out that it had sort of taken over my computer without me actually installing it. And I then had uh, a day or two, because, you know, an evening here or there, to work out what was wrong and smash the laptop and delete Pop OS until it was back to my standard install. Um, so when you boot on the USB, it gives you the option of I, I don't think it says install it just says like run pop OS. maybe it does say install but there's no live version there's no other way of doing it and so i just did that didn't go through any install palaver didn't you know say yes to anything it just went straight to a desktop and it had a do you want to install it you know little desktop icon i was just running it live it was fine and in the background or somehow or fuck knows what it was on my system, had got rid of the boot partition for my other distro. The rest, it had two gig of pop and then 300 or 298 gig of blank disk. And so uh, using test disk and boot repair, I managed to fudge it around so that it, it booted my original OS. So I, all the nice things I said about pop OS in the last show, I take back, it's rubbish. <laughs> Are you sure Ryan didn't break into your flat and install it without you noticing? He must have been sat behind me doing it while I was doing the podcast, if that's so. What if, right, and you're going to hate me for this, what if you didn't DD it to the USB stick? <gasps> oh. What if you DD'd it to your hard drive? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it was on the, it definitely was on the USB stick. Are you sure? I mean, you booted from something, granted. <laughs> so we will later be looking at Magia and... I overwrote the Pop! OS USB stick, and when I plugged it in, it said, this is Pop! OS, and I was like, yes, I will be banishing you into non-existence now. Right. So you definitely did DD it right. You did your proper LSBLK and didn't do it to SDA instead of SDB. We <laughs> got him worried now. <laughs> You're not sure, are you? You're not 100%. <laughs> I I have done so many USB installs. I do. There is a set procedure of, like, say, search for the what what the new partitions are. It's always SDG, and it's always on that one, and it always works. And this is the one that it was fucking around with me properly. It was really annoying. And I I'd, had I not used test disk before, I'd have been a little bit apprehensive. But I've I've been an idiot before, so I was fine with that and dicking around. And it amazed me actually how many 
old installs it found. I mean, it, it was churning through doing sort of the more detailed check, and it found Antigrass and Solus and Chaos and an old Ubuntu, and it said, you know, these are all the things that are just littered across your hard disk with, you know, little packets of information that it hasn't overwritten yet with new information. Or whatever. It's, it's, it's surprising how, uh, I don't know, just how many remains are left once you think you've overwritten something with a new install. Can I just take you back there to a rather important point I think we're all skipping over here and this requires a bit of seriousness I think um, you overwrote Solus with <laughs> pop OS <laughs> pop underscore bang OS no pop bang underscore OS get it right I'll tell that to Mark uh, <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah so i was i was trying solus uh i think before you came on uh before we started doing this and uh i, yeah. I just i, I mean backpedal backpedal back sorry <laughs> right hang on let me rescue you here right <laughs> sdg a b c d e f g you've got seven discs in that machine no so that so i have a multi usb reader and it, it allocates them all even without usbs in them ah right okay. so yeah i've got an sda one and two and then and then a whole load of just ones that never come up right fair enough so i mean apart from the freaky it installed itself you know like that side of the experience what did you actually think of it oh, i mean it was it was a nice rebranding of gnome wasn't it <laughs> but as we found out that lsb underscore release it does say that it is Ubuntu, which makes an interesting case, which maybe we'll gloss over and let them figure out. <laughs> well, it's early days and they've had some updates. So, uh, you know, they're going to have automated firmware updates and all that kind of stuff. And uh, they're working on the installer. So let's let's reserve judgment, I think, on it. Oh, yeah, definitely. On whether it's a great decision or a terrible one. So let's do a bit of news. Um, Phelim, you obviously put this in. Academy with a K, that obviously means it's some KDE bollocks. What's all this about? <laughs> um, essentially, everybody wants to go to the southeast of Spain, and they're having a great time. There's a Obviously, at this point, there'll be a full weekend's coverage of the whole thing, and no doubt videos coming up if they're not already up. Um, I realize now that that means that we don't know that already. Does that mean that we're lying? <laughs> what you're saying is we're recording it before things have happened, which I think people have understood. <laughs> Did we say that? <laughs> well, we're recording it while it's happening. Oh, it's a time paradox going on here. We're recording a little bit early. But anyway, suffice to say, it's basically a big KDE get-together with hundreds of people from the KDE community all over the world get together in Spain and have a good time. It's, if I could afford to go there, even though I don't like KDE, I'm sure I could talk enough Linux with... Um, I say I don't like KDE. I don't use KDE. I'm sure that it would be good fun to... Uh, hang out in Spain with all these people. Yeah, absolutely. And the amount of work they're going to do over the next week as well, there's going to be a lot of people fixing things. There's a big drive to get all the stuff out of KD4 libs and get everybody moved over to QT5. There's still straggling applications that, you know, they're probably not as popular and just not enough work being done. And I think that's a big drive of that at the same time. And I would love to be there, but I am not. And I am sad. And ironically, the one time it came to Dublin, I was in France living there. So it sucks <laughs> to be me. Yeah, KDE seems to be innovating where other free software projects are not. I mean, you only have to look at uh, KDE Connect for a prime example of that. 
I just wish I could get to like it. I just wish I could acquire that taste because it feels to me like KDE and Cute is really the the future, I suppose, or maybe even the present. But I just I'm just so stuck in my old GTK two ways with XFCE that I, I GTK two is awful. It just looks terrible. I don't know, just, but just get with the program. GTK two <laughs> was lovely once you had the black overgloss themes and compass and conky. <laughs> I don't know. I just I'm happy enough with Zubuntu. It just they seem to do it all right. It's not spectacular. It's not amazing, but everything just works all right. And yeah, so doesn't KDE too. So maybe there's a space for a KDE distro that hasn't come along yet to appeal to, I guess not not older in terms of age, but the older Linux world. You know, because KDE is predominantly kind of bling and you know, 747 control panel, effectively. With literally about five minutes work, you can turn all that off. That's that's the beauty of KDE for me. Ah, but same defaults, right? People like same defaults. Why do most people choose a certain distro? It's not just the philosophy, it's the default. Okay, you could essentially have one script to configure that. Little tiny amount and just switch all the display effects off. And, you know, hmm. use Thunderbird for your thing. Don't use Akinati if you don't want to use any of that but stuff. But that doesn't exist. But it's easy to do. I think the reason why... So somebody should, you're saying. You you are condoning the idea. <sighs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I really am not. I'm just saying, spend literally 30 seconds. Honestly, uh, uh, when I watched Graham Morrison's video that he had on YouTube, all the things that he did to customize it, I realized how little I do. I move my taskbar to the top, buttons on the left for Windows... And I'm almost there at that point. On the left. And I'm very happy. Yes, because notifications drop down from the right. And the problem was they would cover your window. You'd go to close the notification and the thing would just disappear right where you click. And then you close the window, all the unsaved work in it. You have out of choice moved them to the left. Yeah. <laughs> I had it done before, before Ubuntu, I had it done. Oh, before oh, it was Blaze cool. that trial. Yeah, no, because your, drop, your menus should drop down and flow, right? So you're start in inverted commas menu or your K menu or whatever you want to call it, that should drop down from the top of the screen. It shouldn't pop up and then down and then up as you navigate this meandering menu structure. Not that I use it that much anyway. I use Alt F2 to run everything. So no, it, that's where it should be. It should be all, none of this things over and left, over and right. I mean, you're going to be like using your desktop for Tinder at some point as you'll catch fire to the amount of mouse friction as it goes whizzing back and forth from left to right so when you talk about kde with sane defaults well isn't that lx cute essentially nope <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I, don't, I have a lot of faith in lx cute going forward. I, I just don't get the point why why more stuff that we don't need i think i think just use kde the kde light project should have just continued there's no need for it you just just turn off the effects it's checkboxes it's just like a few checkboxes, all off, boom, done. Yeah, but in terms of distros, you'd want something that was saying out of the box. It might well be a script that just remasters an existing ISO, right? But people want to be presented with that. You know, I mean, I might even try one of those out if it was the case, but it's it's bewildering when you're presenting. I mean, one, you like buttons on the left, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, look, K-pop, bang, underscore, underscore OS, done. <laughs> Wouldn't that be Korean pop music? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it does need to be done. A sensible um, distro 
that's say an Ubuntu LTS base with the latest KDE. So essentially KDE so neon. neon. <laughs> yeah. But with all of the bullshit turned off. So nothing turned off then. Okay. <laughs> We're agreed. There's there's certain people who like things like where you have all these options, right? It's nice to have them, and I think people would complain if they didn't have the configurability. Yeah, like Unity. Right, but then you don't want to see it all in the same place. You want progressive disclosure when it comes to settings. You don't want something that's got, like, four levels of depth to it, which is basically what the uh, K-system settings, I think the name of it would be. It's overly complicated. It's overly complex. The navigation is bad. There's a beautiful search thing in the top right. Nope, nope. Yeah, but you have to know what you're searching for. It, the fact is, it's not presented well in the first place that you need to search for a specific term. If it was presented well enough, you would have basically two uh, two levels of depth, effectively. Fine, fine, right. fine. But if there was those sort of same defaults around KDE, because the technology underneath it, I don't think anyone is of any opinion otherwise, it's brilliant. Yeah. The tech underneath it is absolutely brilliant. The way that it's presented to people... Eh, not so much. <laughs> so, Ike, you mentioned it last show when, or maybe it was a couple of shows ago, when we were discussing what the new uh, upcoming distros were that that weren't based on Ubuntu. Uh, mm. And you mentioned Chaos, and I also noted there in the intro about one that I'd I really enjoyed Chaos when we reviewed it on Luddites, and to the point where I put it back on my laptop uh, when I was sort of dicking around with what I would install. And I think Chaos was one of the few KDE distros that I installed that I thought I don't need to go dicking around with the settings, what have you, so that the the install did have sane defaults. It was nicely laid out. It it was smooth. KDE has always had this really annoying kind of box on the desktop that I never really understood what it <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah, the widget thing. Yeah, I just... didn't really understand why that was there, and I didn't want to have to delve into. But it, anyway, so there are there is that's that's my uh, listener uh, proposal is if you're looking for a sane KDE, try Chaos. It's not an Ubuntu based like Joe was looking for, but it's a good one. Nah, he's wrong. Anyway, just use Neon. All right, all right. Let's 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 move on. Let's talk about Remix OS. Now, you talked about Luddites there. Back in uh, the day, we got hold of a Remix Mini, which was their um, little desktop thing about the size of... Uh, it was like a Nook, wasn't it? Yeah, a little bit smaller than that. But yeah, like kind of like a Roku type. Well, maybe a bit bigger. But anyway, a small ARM-based device running this version of Android, Remix OS, that has got a proper desktop. Now, this week, Jide, who are the company behind it, have announced via their various social media platforms that they have decided to kill it, certainly the consumer-facing side of it. It looks like they're going to do some deals with OEMs, maybe. They kind of hinted at that. But it's it's basically dead as far as we're concerned. It was never properly open source anyway, so I'm not massively bothered I suppose it brings up this larger point of desktop versions of Android. There have been a few. You've still got Android x86. That's going strong, I think. And Phoenix OS, which I tried this week and it wouldn't boot, so fuck that. Um, And I just, I don't know, I feel like I'm over this idea of desktop Android now. I think that it kind of had its chance and I just, I don't really feel like I'm that interested anymore. When you say you're over it, do you mean that previously you had a particular interest, and was there a reason for that interest, and now that's that's waned, or you know, what, or did you see that as the future, and now you think that just pure Linux is the future? It's not that I saw it as the future; it's that I saw it as a potential future, 
And the problem has always been the applications that run on top of it because it's relatively straightforward, it seems, because a few people have had a go at it to put together a desktop-type experience on top of Android with proper floating windows that you can resize and a taskbar and all the rest of it. But it just has always been the problem that the applications don't work properly on it, that they're designed for touch and they're not designed for a mouse. The whole idea of Android is not designed for mouse and keyboard input. Well, maybe keyboard, but certainly not mouse. And so I think that if it was going to take off by now, it would have done, and app developers would have been making more apps that would work somehow, uh, would, would adapt to do both things, touch and mouse. But that just doesn't seem to have happened. And it it just feels like there are better ways to do it, like with Mario OS, where you've got Android and you've got Linux containerized within it when you need proper Linux, or even the Ubuntu Touch stuff. If it had a more Android-like experience in the phone department, then I would probably be keener on it. Obviously, it's called UbiPorts these days. Um, but, you know, that that idea of you can't really have, you can't mash the two together you can have one device that switches between two things, and that, to me, is more interesting than trying to use Android as a desktop because it just it's just not as good as proper Linux on the desktop. So the clever thing that Phoenix OS does is that you can key map things that would be touch inputs. You can key map them to the keyboard. So uh, if you would normally maybe swipe up or swipe down, you could have that as up arrow, down arrow, and and you know different apps you can specify that so they're trying to put like a layer between uh, the app and what it's expecting to see if it was a pure android app versus what you're able to input as a as a keyboard and so it does sort of get around that problem with the touch interface okay i agree certain things are natively swipey and it feels right to swipe it rather than click a keyboard but on your point about whether or not developers would would move to it i think it's because phoenix and remix were fairly small not really worth their time so you change your focus to where google is and everyone is expecting them to come out with a android sort of uh laptop slash tablet with keyboard type interface when they're you know when one of the newer androids comes out so when that happens then the big developers will look at doing it i suspect or samsung maybe can't you already run Android apps on Chrome OS anyway? You are supposed to be able to do that soon, and it's been soon for about a year, basically. Uh, it's it's in, been in beta, and from the reviews that I've seen of it, it doesn't run on my Chromebook, basically. It only runs on the newer touchscreen ones. And, and from the reviews I've seen, it's still ropey as fuck, basically. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, you, you can run them, but you still, get, you still have the same problem Joe was talking about where you expect to be using it expects to be using a touch interface whereas you've got a mouse and you're sort of dragging the mouse whilst holding the click up to swipe up and it's just not as comfortable well if only we had somebody working on convergence <sighs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing that as soon as ubuntu stops everyone's like oh we need convergence. <laughs> yeah previously it was like what the fuck are they wasting their time with who would you use that well it's funny you say that right for me my perspective on the whole thing has, has shifted massively because when Ubuntu were doing it, it was a product that you could buy from, okay, an online shop, but whatever, everything's online these days. It was a product you could buy and you would take it, you know, get delivered to your house 
and you'd bought this proper thing and it was shit. Whereas now it's a community project and suddenly I'm far more forgiving of it. And it, as a community project, my, it's as if my perspective has shifted almost perpendicular. And now looking at it from this other angle as a community project, I think, well, that's great. You know, if they can make it sort of work, then that's brilliant. And I really hope that they can progress it and make something uh, that, that's worthy of being a product one day. But it's it. the thing is that where Ubuntu went wrong was pretending that this unfinished thing was finished and a product, if you know what I mean. And so now I am actually quite enthusiastic about UbiPorts. I'm not massively hopeful for them because we saw how much money was poured into it as Ubuntu Touch and it was still a bit ropey. Whereas now, who knows? Often these things, once they hit the community, you're sort of freed from this commercial um, expectation and you can just sort of do whatever you want. And so I really have high hopes. Uh, well, well, no, that's wrong. I, I have, I, I want them to do well. I have, I've um, strong positive feelings for them, but maybe not about them. I'd, I'm a bit pessimistic about whether they'll have the time to do it. But um, Renewed interest. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for, the phrase I was looking for, yeah. You're Renewed welcome. interest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I knew, knew there was a reason that we uh, had you on, okay. Yeah, because I can speak proper. <laughs> Phelan, have you got any interest in Android as a desktop then? Nope. <laughs> well, because it's not free enough. No, I mean, I'm not, I'm not completely waving the flag as jesse said uh, on uh fast talk but i don't love using my phone i mean i like my phone setup i've got but i don't love using a phone i love using my uh, kde system i've got on either my desktop pc or my uh laptop when i'm out and about i would hate to be stuck on a phone if in fact if it became a crime to have anything but a phone, I'd probably chuck it in because I wouldn't be able to hack it. But what if it was a tablet that had a keyboard and mouse and had an interface, you know? Pray tell, a phablet. Yeah. No, because I don't feel the OS, that the way it's done, it, it gets in the way. It gets in the way horribly. The amount of times I've like wanted to punch my finger through the screen of my phone when trying to type a message, and it's, you know, spell check the word, that is correct, and then decided to randomly write in bullshit for the bit that isn't. Uh, Jesus Christ! Uh, just m- it's amazing my phones have lasted as long as they do. Like, because I I just cannot stand it. It's such an impediment to actually using a, a device. Whereas you come on, you use a keyboard, bang, you're done. Okay, you say a keyboard and a phablet, but that's never going to be a thing you're going to use all the time. You're still going to have to fall back to the other interface, and it's I don't know. Yeah, no, don't, not for me. I lost my phone actually. <laughs> like, oh yeah what happened with that like you tried to find it but you couldn't find it because you needed two factor right so i i wanted to be all slay about it on google like i didn't i didn't really want to fess up like yeah dickhead's lost his phone again right <laughs> because it genuinely lost it this time um i managed to lose it basically going to the shops or wherever it fucked off out of my pocket right i actually went out right people say ikey why don't you go out this fucking happens. <laughs> it's fucking expensive. <laughs> anyway, new me form's gone, so I thought, fuck it. If I don't manage to get that form back, then I'm going to have problems getting into GitHub and Google and even my own email for solos. That's using two-factor authentication. So, oh. in a word, 
bollocks, right? Is there a recovery on that, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, um, you have to go up to Grand Canal Basin in Dublin and beg someone to fix when it. When they'd set it all up, it's like, download your recovery code. It's like, why? You have me fucking phone, right? <laughs> I've oh, rethought no. that one since, right? But lucky enough, the phone was insured. I never really get insured to anything, so I'm really glad I did. And this was just after having gone full-time as well, right? <laughs> the keys to the kingdom are gone. So I Wait, thought, does that mean that you actually got a modern, halfway decent phone? Yeah, Samsung Galaxy A5 2017. So no, no, he didn't get a modern, halfway <laughs> decent, a modern phone. Halfway decent phone. That phone was 480 euros when I bought it. <gasps> it has a fingerprint sensor and everything. You OnePlus... Bloody I don't want a OnePlus, no, because the company's dickheads. I'm sorry, but their conduct, dickheads, right? Not even going to justify it. Samsung aren't exactly saints either. Well, like, oh. I need some warmth from my front room since the server has gone. I have the option of spontaneous combustion, right? <laughs> I will take that option. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, not to mention all the financial uh, misconduct and uh, corruption and shit. What, Samsung? Oh, never, never. No. Anyway, did you find it then? Yeah, anyway, right. So getting back to the whole story, I went on to the whole... You know, like, if you go into the Google settings, you've got the dashboard. You won't know this failing, but if you go into the Google know, dashboard, right. Right, <laughs> you got this feature, find my phone. I thought, well, sure, that's fucking handy, because it's gone. <laughs> so, you got that in KD Connect, don't you know? Yeah, but people use Google. Okay, it's really <laughs> my phone. It's not exactly the same. Well, but. anyway, well, it's always on silent, so that's not going to help me. Right? <laughs> the phone is always on silent, right? I know who's actually ringing me. But th- anyway, back to the whole point of it. So it's like, comes up, find me phone. I thought, well, that would be handy. And I thought, if I don't find it, then I'll use the feature to reset the phone remotely. That's not concerning at all that Google can do that. But Yeah, hard hard brick, well, soft brick it from yeah. Uh, remotely. Yeah. Now, it's already got a, obviously there's a pin on the chip, there's a pin on the phone as well, and it's fingerprint as well. So whoever did end up with that phone, it's a complete brick to them anyway, right? It's been reported the whole lot, lost, I'm dumb. So I've come to go on this feature basically to, you know, try and find the phone. And I assume it would phone it or something. I might just hear it vibrate somewhere if I'm lucky. Out of context, that's very wrong. Moving on. So I went on there, and it asked me to sign in, so I put my password in, and there's like, we've sent you a text to verify it's really you. Oh, dear. <laughs> if I could get the text, I wouldn't need to find the fucking phone in the first place, would I? So I got very, very annoyed with that, but then I went up to, fair enough, went to Carphone Warehouse, and I explained the whole thing to them. So I had to pay like a 50, 50 euro waiver, and I got it the next day. Like, literally the next day I got the new phone and I changed the chip over for me and everything. So that was properly handy. Have you changed all your passwords just in case? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, the, yeah. the phone itself, anyway, you wouldn't have been able to get anything because the phone automatically locks the screen. As soon as that's done, it's fingerprint to get in. And me, like a spot, when I set it up, I didn't quite realize what it meant. So you get this whole prompt on the screen. I'm not good with phones. If you hadn't realized by now, I'm not good with phones. You go through the first setup step and it's like, Let's set up a fingerprint password. Like, All right, let's do that. Yeah, I want to appear technical and like I know what I'm on about. <laughs> so let's fucking go for this. Put your thumb down. It's like, alright, yep. And then it says lift your thumb up, put it down again. So it's like, alright. And it would slowly fill in out the circle. Don't show your actual thumbprint. So I must have done this about twenty-five times, right? <laughs> we get putting the thumb back down. It turns out it wants you to put your thumb down differently each time. <laughs> So we can see your whole thumb. <laughs> so that any angle you put your thumb down, it will actually reveal it. Turns out I put it down exactly the same way about 25 times. So I had to have my thumb in exactly the same angle to unlock <laughs> yeah. the phone every time I used it. This is exactly what my mum did. 
Just just to put it into context. No, I don't want to talk to you now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a great discussion about Remix OS dying. Uh, I know, I know, and I feel really bad about that. <laughs> Did we have a third news story? Uh, yes. So, failing you put this one in. I had read about this and thought, meh, whatever. So, on the uh, About Add-ons page on Firefox that no one ever sees because no one uses Firefox these days, apart from us two, it seems. Yeah. They use Google Analytics. Uh, the question I have is, why the fuck are they using Google Analytics, and why don't they stop immediately? Yeah, that's a good question. It really is, because... <sighs> Yeah, laziness is what I wrote in the doc, and it's got to be that. Um, it just It's just mind-boggling. It's the kind of, let's make our own phone OS and use a browser that's tied to the OS version sort of level of mentality, I think, where it's like, did nobody think that this was at all a bad idea? Like, And even now it's been pointed out to them, they're basically saying, well, it's fine, it's fine. We don't actually give Google any information. It's fine, don't worry, but we're not going to stop. What utter, utter rubbish. You don't know what they're doing with that stuff. Uh, don't buy that for a second. You shouldn't be. If, you, if you're going to in any way make your uh, browser have some form of uh, security, etc., you, you can't tie in with this type of stuff, especially if people choose, uh, you know, do not track, etc., as, you know, that whole thing. It's like, yeah, do not track, except for the bit that we're tracking you with. You know, it's... It's ridiculous. They claim to have updated this. So their claim yeah. is effectively they have a legal contract with Google who will promise not to use it for data mining or share it with third parties. Because as we all know, Google will not do that. As the largest advertising company on the planet, they would not mine your data. No, never. Especially that they don't have all of the NHS's data in DeepMind. What? <laughs> but they <laughs> apparently they shipped an update and it will now respect do not track so their own browser <laughs> was not respecting Do Not Track for their own stuff. It's mind-boggling. Yeah, I mean, that's basically walking up to a van. You see a lad sat there with a camera selling ice cream out and looking real kind of weird and say, I promise I won't look at your kids. Right? That might be an extreme example. And enabling Do Not Track, <laughs> essentially, I'm going to ignore that. As enabling Do Not Track essentially says to websites please track me pretty please because yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I obviously care about it i've probably got something worth tracking so you may as well track me yeah it's like having like big sash windows and showing a safe behind them you know it's big safes like, please don't rob me for i have nothing no tools left in this van overnight <laughs> yes yeah. i am waiting here tonight <laughs> <laughs> not me personally by the way <laughs> Yeah, well, we of all the Mozilla stories this week, you chose this one, Bailey, the one to bash them. Yeah, I know. It just it was it was just the sheer. You, do you guys even care? Do you come into work every day and just go? You know what? Let's just fuck this shit up again, just for fun. It's it's mind boggling. Well, they probably implemented it using Chrome because they all use Chrome over it. Mozilla, <laughs> <don't they? laughs> yeah, no doubt. Why are they still going? <laughs> like, it's a legitimate question. I, 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 I don't understand it anymore. Three like, words. Three words. Ya four words. Yahoo and Marissa Mayer. Oh, yeah. And the, like, billion dollars or whatever that they made from that. Cashback. Yeah, but I mean, even the history there is like, Yahoo's like, oh, lad, do you know your email accounts? Sorry. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, they've got so much money that they are not going anywhere. And I, I want them to do good things. And that some of the things they're doing are good. And Firefox no. isn't. <laughs> isn't terrible it's probably not as good as chrome i'd rather they just basically take all the money they have now and put them into like outdoor sporting events (laughs) 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 i wouldn't even go but i just feel happy that they existed you're going to defend them failing or you're just going to take that (laughs) yeah i'm taking it i guess i'll still use it I'll still sit there. I mean, you can tell me about their sporting events (laughs) on (laughs) Firefox OS. (laughs) I'm sure you can stream it. No doubt theirs would be like competitive seal clubbing, knowing the way they go on with fucking shit. It's kind of getting that way, though, wasn't it? Uh, (sighs) Didn't you have a terrible experience this week, Jesse, with um, their browser? I was just surprised to see it. We we talked about the uh, the new Android browser they have that protects your freedoms and Firefox Focus. Firefox Focus, and I have to say, it is still the one that I use sixty percent of the time or so. And uh, you look at porn sixty percent of the time. I knew you would interpret it that way. <laughs> well, what like, else is it going to be? That's literally all that it's worth <laughs> using I, for. <laughs> I replaced my Oprah, Oprah. Uh, I, op- uh, icon that I used on the bottom uh, rung of Android with that so that I could use Firefox more often. And like, like we said in the review, it's very snappy. It's nice to use. However, it's basically one tab. And so I was looking at something other online and I put it to one side and carried on doing whatever. Like half an hour or so. Oh, fuck off. And half, half an hour later or so, it was like, Firefox uh, Focus is using a lot of battery. It should be turned off. And I looked back and it was, you know, just a standard web page. And I, I couldn't work out why it wouldn't, like, sleep in the background in the same way that um, Opera that has, like, 25 tabs open is silent in the background. Nothing complains about it eating the battery. Yet, if you don't, uh, you know, sort of rubbish bin your your Firefox that one Firefox page and get rid of the browsing history, in my view, it it seems to be just be eating battery. So I'm surprised that it was alerted. Of all the browsers I've used, that's the only one I've had that with. Maybe it's just keeping everything in memory. Like it can't page the disk at all. Well, that would be in line with its privacy goals, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just waiting for the review in a couple of weeks when Jesse's suffering from RSI. <laughs> oh, I browsed the web like normal person. Thank you very much. He he was looking for a birthday present for his missus. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Why is he eating the battery? <laughs> anyway, right, let's move on. So this episode of Late Night Linux is sponsored by Entroware. They're gonna be so happy with this placement of this ad. I know, aren't they? They're gonna love it. <laughs> Sorry guys. Uh so Entroware are a UK-based company, Entroware.com. And they sell Linux laptops. They actually care about Linux. They do the legwork. They make sure the firmware is running properly and that you're going to have a good experience. They sell computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate 16.04 and 17.04. And they have got this huge range of laptops, basically, and also a server and a desktop available or a couple of desktops. And so they've got everything from low-end stuff all the way up to ridiculous powerhouses as that I wouldn't need, stuff with really beefy graphics cards that you can do all sorts of graphic design and 3D art and stuff like that. And they're all configurable as well. That's what I really like about it. You can more or less configure most aspects of it, whether it's the, the CPU or the RAM or the storage. 
if you're happy with spinning rust or if you want loads of super fast ssd you can uh, configure that stuff and they ship to the uk republic of ireland france germany italy and spain and if you do buy one of their machines then there's an option at checkout to tell them where you heard about entraware and you can put in late night linux and then they know they should keep sponsoring us so do that definitely Spinning Rust Age, aren't you getting good at this advert thing? <laughs> <laughs> but you've missed out one of the one of the main things that I, I think really sort of solidifies why Entryware, you know, we're proud to have them as sponsors. They're actually sponsoring OGCAMP 2017 this year. They're the platinum or where the top level sponsor is. Um, and so it just shows what their view is of, you know, the community and open source and things like that. So, you know, uh, big applause for to Entryware for doing that. And uh, we're Joe and I are both going to our camp, so so thanks. Yeah, so check out entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. I made that up, by the way. I hope they're grateful. Anyway, right, let's move on to a bit of admin. Uh, so thank you to everyone for supporting us on PayPal and Patreon and that kind of thing. I haven't checked the Bitcoin for a while. I keep, <laughs> I fire it up. It takes like two days to update the wallet, and it's like, no, no Bitcoin. Oh, well, that was a useful uh, waste of electricity. Uh, but yeah, thank you, everyone. It is much appreciated. Um, we don't name names, but you know who you are. Thanks a lot. Um, if you want to join them, go to latenightlinux.com slash support. Uh, and if you want to get in contact, latenightlinux.com slash contact. There's the email address and Telegram group and various other ways. And you can always leave a comment, remember, under each post. Uh, so ah, Destination Linux, they need a new co-host. So uh, I have been on Destination Linux, as have you, Ike, as as Wimpy and various other people. Uh, they are a weekly podcast, very much safe for work, um, very much desktop focused. They, they're proper distro hoppers who just love the desktop. They love the intricacies of the latest KDE and uh, they don't like XFCE, which is always funny to hear them complaining about that, even though it's great as far as I'm concerned. And anyway, so Rob is it just doesn't have time. I, I don't know if he's leaving, but he's certainly standing aside for a bit. They've got some guest co-hosts lined up, but they're looking for someone to uh, join permanently with Rocco. So probably if you're in America, I don't know, it's, it can be a bit of a, uh, a tricky thing organizing schedules for people. So if you have been looking to get into podcasting for a while and you're really into distro hopping and stuff, um, then check out destinationlinux.org. There's links there to get in um, contact with them. And hopefully they can find a, a new permanent co-host and keep going because I, I like it. I, I don't generally delve too far into the desktop stuff these days. I kind of should do, but, um, you know, I, I end up just not having time to. And so it's it's a good uh, podcast to to catch up with that stuff. So, yeah, check them out. And um, I, I feel like I haven't plugged them for a while, and I feel sorry for them. That's a bad thing to say. But uh, System AU, if you like Australian humour, if you like this show, there's a reasonable chance you like them, except for the shitty music, which you can uh, always skip through. No, don't, don't. Don't don't pimp them. They they said that you guys were having your own podcast, so I never got a mention when we started, so fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Weren't you at one point also referred to as Jesse, Joe, Ike, and the other guy. No, I didn't even get other guy. I would have. I wouldn't have minded other guy, but I got nothing. 
Wasn't yeah. included. Fucking convicts. <laughs> well, <clears throat> it's they live in a topsy turvy world. Literally, it's like the middle of winter for them. Now, no, so. that's, no, it isn't. It's all lies, weirdos. <laughs> um, right. Anyway, yeah, Odd Camp. So, as Jesse mentioned, Entraware are the platinum sponsor. If you go to Odd Camp, you might be able to win one of their machines, which is worth a lot of money. Now, I am hoping I can win it, and <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work out. Maybe I can. Um, grease some palms or whatever no obviously i'm joking um but yeah it's going to be in canterbury at the uh, christchurch university it's also sponsored by them and it's also sponsored by the ubuntu community i think that is the money that you can donate um oh, this is a minefield i shouldn't go there there, there, was, <laughs> there was some missing money at some point i think it was they sorted out a long time ago anyway it's donations to ubuntu have uh, found their way to odd camp <laughs> Did anybody get put on an island? <laughs> or was it the Isle of Man? <laughs> the money was just resting in their account. Anyway, so um, Saturday, August 19th to Sunday, August 20th. But there's also a piss up on the Friday night, which I will be at and Jesse will hopefully be at if he uh, books a train anytime soon. Actually, no, I might drive you down there if you come over here. Anyway, that is off-air discussion. Um, there is now a rough schedule which i don't think i'm going to link to because i don't think it's public um but there's going to be all sorts of people richard brown who we've had on the show before is going to be talking about Sousa. uh matrix.org who are everywhere uh are going to be talking uh lightning talks uh what else is there yeah ian hutchison and uh, obviously welcome talks and the last thing on the sunday is the big raffle where you can win that entryway laptop yeah, and some other stuff, probably some System AU stickers, uh, like you could last time. And yeah, the the extravaganza, the main stage extravaganza, it's written here. Now, obviously, I'm trying to take over that. That's just what I do. Uh, I might see if Stuart can do it, and I- I'm going to try and get on stage. Basically, any excuse to get on stage, I will be uh, taking. So you never know, I might be there. Ike, stop putting things in the fucking what? No, mumble I, chat. I was... And- and then the man said, oh, and it was great. Uh, I, I'm not going to read out what you've been trying to distract me with throughout this whole <laughs> advert and admin section, but this is staying on air and you are a bad man. Yeah. Um, but uh, the Odd Camp needs uh, crew anyway. Oh, yeah, Odd Camp's free, by the way. I should have mentioned that. You can pay if you want or you can get a free ticket. So go to ogcamp.org or og.camp, uh, one of those weird domains. Um, but, yeah, so they need crew. They've got a few people I just, I want to have a good time. I'm sorry. I should help out and be crew, but I'm just too selfish. I want to go and hang out and watch talks and stuff. Uh, The crew are pretty damn important to the whole thing. And so if you're interested in helping out, then you should email ogcamp at sprig.gs, Spriggs, because John Spriggs is in uh, organizing it, and that's his domain because uh, he thinks he's clever to have one of those hacked domains. So Ogcamp at Spriggs, basically. Um, so, yeah, do get in contact with him, and hopefully it's going to be a great event. It's it's an excuse to have a three-day piss-up, as far as I'm concerned, with uh, a few talks about interesting Linux stuff and, and also free culture and stuff as well. So, yeah, do come down to Canterbury and uh, have a good time. Yeah, just to, to round it off, Joe, I have booked my accommodation, I have booked my train, and I'm also pondering doing uh, a talk. So Ooh. If, and that doesn't, if that doesn't get thousands of people down, I don't know what will. 
And we need to record a podcast that weekend, and I don't know how the hell we're going to do it. I've ordered some microphones, and I thought they were just never going to turn up because the eBayer had uh, never sold anything before. I had no feedback, and then the tracking number didn't work. But today, the tracking number finally started to work, so hopefully I'll have mics. I can make it happen. Anyway. And, and there will be actually no feedback in the recording then. Boom. I, 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 what? Your Jesse's mic at Fostock. Oh, was that feedback was it not? I was. I think it was breaking up rather than feedback. Yeah. Okay. Right. It was a dodgy cable. Well, you can test it this time when he gives a talk on installer UX. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there'll be all sorts going on. Um, so come to Ocamp. It'll be great. Uh, right. So Magia. Magia is a distro that has been around in one form or another for an awfully long time. Not quite as long as Slackware. Happy birthday, Slackware. One point I released this week. Uh, or last week, uh, but it's it was around as someone helped me out here. What was it originally? Mandrake, and then Mandriva, uh, and then it was forked to Magia. Um, and now, anyway, Magia 6 has been released, and so we thought we'd have a look at it. It is, how can you describe this distro? It's RPM-based, it's got DNF, so it's a bit like Fedora, but a bit more old school, I suppose. Yeah, I would say that they have a lot of fundamental building blocks they've done themselves. So there's, it's got its own sort of configuration system. It's got a welcome screen that's unique. Uh, it's got other bits of software, which sort of other 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 the lower level type building blocks they're saying. But they put a very uh, standard GNOME and XFCE version on top. They don't change the icons. They don't add any you know widgets or whatever the other bits of with Gnome, you know, those sort of extensions and things. So you get a very pure Gnome and XFC experience. And I would say that, unfortunately, I think stock Gnome is dump and you need to put extensions on it. You need to change the icons. You need to make it more usable and nicer. And when you do, it's very nice. And most distros that you would download with stock Gnome and also XFC, XFC looks terrible with all its default icons, most distros do that nowadays, and so you forget what terrible icon sets GNOME normally has, but they sort of haven't, and it's it's an odd setup from that point of view. Hang on, you've missed the most important version. There's uh, there's GNOME, there's XFCE, there was a third one, I think. Yeah, Plasma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny you say all those things. I think they've actually made it worse by customizing the plasma <laughs> desktop. Well, for a start, it was the 5.8 LTS version, which presumably you're using 5.10, the newer one. Yeah. And, yeah, okay, I shouldn't really give any advice on how things look because I'm really not graphically design-orientated at all, but I kind of like the way Neon has always gone where they have the main KDE dev uh, graphics team uh, produce something and they essentially ship it as is and that's the kind of look they go for and i guess it's been a while since i've used the distro that has like changed things like even desktop wallpapers it seems daft but i just i find it odd to do that what um, you mean it doesn't have the snp logo the what <laughs> do you not okay, know about right. that you that that sort of <laughs> no. swirly thing is the snp logo riddle put that in just because he's a scottish nationalist oh totally that's exactly what happened no he say. he fucking told me that in our <laughs> telegram group <laughs> okay fair enough it is look at 
Google it now. Do Google image search for SNP logo and tell me you don't recognize it. I know what the SNP logo looks like. Jesus. No one knows what the KDE default desktop looks like, though. Ah, uh, well, it looks the same anyway. Suffice it to say, doesn't. I don't know why we got off on that tangent. So it sounds like you weren't very impressed with the KDE version then. Um, it was okay, but uh, it broke the cardinal rule um, by pimping non KDE apps in place of things like so GIMP was there as the main graphics app. Bizarrely, Clementine was the main audio app, which is horrific looking KD, yeah. uh, yeah, KD Libs 4 and stuff. And it's, you know, the one that they forked from Amarok back in the day. Ew. Just strange, strange choices, I find. I know they obviously have their own tool for doing everything, which unfortunately I think that kind of conflicts with KD's own. And I don't know how you resolve that either, because then you have two config utilities. And this is why I kind of went off SUSE back in the day as well. It's like, I don't necessarily want a tool to do everything, but then at what point do they cross and at what point is one different than the other? So, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't for me. Absolutely failure. I mean, I on, on that welcome screen, it has sort of things where you can install applications. You can also run through and look at the the configurations. You can do security settings. And it gives you a lot of links to then shoot off and it opens these various security centers and software updaters and config things. And I I opened the their quite nicely laid out uh, config tool and realized there was a network in there and it shows you all your various network connections, hard and wireless, and decided to log onto the wireless, obviously, and it wouldn't work. So I tried again, didn't work, and then tried the GNOME wireless utility and it and it connected. And it's like, well, if you have two wireless connection methods and only one of them works, why have you put all this effort into having a second one when it, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do? If they both work, that's fine. You can then choose. But if you're just doubling up and and it's not working properly, and like you say, there's all these other things that they've done which are nice utilities, but for some reason they've they've kept the stock GNOME ones. And so you've kind of got a duplication. It, it seems like a wasted effort. Did it include one thing that I do like, and that's the KMozilla Helper um, package for uh, Firefox that gives um, Firefox the KDE file open dialog, and you might go, why would you want that? Well, it's actually way better than the the standard one that comes with Firefox. You know, you can see previews images much nicer. You can actually see all your places down the left-hand side that you've got configured already, like, you know, maybe a share on a different device or whatever. The problem, though, is it that's because it's hard to keep track of Firefox, they've stuck with the ESR version of Firefox, which is 52.2 in this current release, whereas I'm up to 54 and presume you guys are too. So I don't know. I mean, for the sake of making it look better, they've kind of left you with a stagnant version of Firefox. So it's unusual choices. Well, before I shit on it anymore, there's there's one really positive thing, and, and that is the way Grub is handled. So you go through the installer, which has got a million questions, which you flagged up, Phelim, and okay, it's it's certainly not as slick as... Um... It's an appalling installer. <laughs> it is appalling. Don't hold back, Ike. <laughs> they, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but they haven't focused on user experience there in the slightest. It keep it, You press next, and it just comes up with a label. Let's get back to that. Right. Ubiquity is the word I was thinking about. Um but can I just say how they handle Grub, basically, that they ask you, what do you want to be default? And 
you know, so you instead of just presuming that you've installed my distro, I'm going to put myself top of the list. You you can if you want, and that's what I did. And and whatever they're doing with Grub, they're doing so right as far as I'm concerned because I've got loads of other partitions on this machine that I installed it on, and I wanted to boot into Ubuntu or Zubuntu anyway. So I go down, boot into that. Um, I had to do some updates, including the kernel update, right? Reboot, and then boots back to Grub and. Zubuntu is selected by default. And so if I'd done nothing, it would have rebooted back into that. Why can't it always be like that? I, that, that that's how Grub should be. Wh- whatever they're doing, Ike, take note and do it, is all I'm saying, if you want Solus to be good. Grub needs to die in a fire anyway. UEFI is the future, and you can already select your boot order in the firmware. Yeah, but... But yes, it, all right, it's a nice touch. I'll give you that. It's a nice touch. Back to Ike's bashing. Well, no, it's not a bashion, right? Well, it kind of uh, is. Yeah, but. yeah. yeah. Uh, the recommendations and... and <laughs> Areas for improvement. Okay, so I would like to preface this. <laughs> I think that they're aiming for a very specific user base, and I think it, they're aiming for their faithful. And that kind of shows because they've kept a lot of their tooling around. And, you know, for those people, it probably suits them, and I applaud them for that. However... <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't have downloaded a live image, and I think that's really played against me here because the idea of a live installer is you get a quick preview of what it's going to be like, and then you install a fully configured system, right? I installed it. Well, I say I installed it. It fucking tricked me into installing it, right? Granted, yeah, I had the installer open. I pressed next after choosing my disk, and it fucking formatted it. Now, not let's have a summary are you sure about this? Let's have some other steps. No, just fucking installed itself. Ubuntu's installer does that as well. Whoever thought of that should be fucking shot, right? Well, you do have to read what it actually says to you. To I did! Fair. Are you sure, Ike? Yes. Are you really sure? Right? Because I read no, it No, because if, thought... if we bring this up, then I'm going to go on about DD and Jesse. <laughs> if we're going to go down that path. Look, I, anyway. I almost had that happen to me, and then I read it. I thought, oh, hang on. Regardless, I've been clever. I've got a a laptop that I don't mind nuking, right? That that's fine. And I can I've also run it in VirtualBox. Uh, not VirtualBox, QEMU. Whatever it's called, I don't say words. QEMU? Yeah, him as well. The first weird thing I found, like after I installed, is that when it rebooted, now bearing in mind I'm it's supposed to be set up that it will boot from the disk first if there's something there to boot. Otherwise it'll boot from the live medium. It definitely booted from the disk because I had their pretty grub screen on there and it's got the little progress bar and everything like that and it has like McGear 6 and you can click into that well you can't click so I did all that but because the live medium was there the installation then booted itself from that and did a live boot and I was like well this is trippy as all balls <laughs> are you sure that you didn't have it set to boot by default no 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 I, I literally validated all this right and I had the default set up properly right keep in mind I have to do this all the time every day for solace test I yeah. know the boot order is going to be right so it's like okay let's make sure this is removed I then tried over on Kremu just to make sure that I wasn't insane and I could like set the boot order it wasn't going to be like a weird UEFA thing it was still doing it. I was like, okay, let's remove it. Like, literally change the boot parameters so there was no other disk. And then it booted up from the system, where I'm then greeted with GDM, because I've gone for the GNOME one, with a live user, which automatically logged in. I was like, I, I'm sure I definitely installed this. Like, I'd gone through the whole installer thing. It installed as a user live, with no password, root everything was enabled, and there was no sudo. That's not how you do live installs. 
you actually have to set something up. So something went wrong between two different installations on hardware, unless it's, this is how they desire it by default. I really don't know. Once I got past all that weirdness, the fact that I'm a live user on an installation, which I, I you know, I'm willing to say that over because they do promote their installer image, which is like a big chunky one with a load of locales. Even after all that, the desktop, it, it kind of felt bolted on. And I read back through the release notes afterwards just to see what they were saying about it. And it really, really did seem a case of quantity over quality. Because they're saying about, you know, like, oh, well, it's not really a new feature, but we've got 20 free desktops and window managers. So like, okay, but couldn't you have integrated them a bit more? Negative points aside, the installer definitely needs some work, right? It's it just doesn't feel nice in the slightest. There's there's no there's no context or steps. All of that aside, and the fact that the GNOME Live version feels very disconnected, I do think it it feels like it feels a bit like running the older distributions like Slackware or something. And even with all those niggly issues, there's something about that that really appeals to me because it still feels like you've got less bullshit. Like, these days you've got to run, like, a fully-fledged desktop on top of stuff just to get anything done. Whereas it feels, like, a bit like the older days where you'd be editing ETC init tab and stuff like that. Because it feels old, it feels good. And I don't know what it is about it, but it's got it's got a charm to it. Like, I'd probably run it. <laughs> Even after all the weirdness, I'd still probably run it, because it feels pure. Maybe you like the misery, is it? I think that might be it. I just like pain. <laughs> Didn't you say that you deleted it? Yeah, I did because <sighs> Okay, so I, I tried out Drake, which is basically their, you know, their configuration screen with a really dated UI, but that that's their own decision. And it had the package configuration stuff as I like, oh go in there and it came up a load of dialogues, which I had to keep pressing OK on them more dialogues. And their focus on usability was basically the 1990s version of usability. It's like, hey, I'm going to do a thing for you. Is that all right? <laughs> Not twice. It was that sort of questions coming up. Okay, through them all. And then every single repo failed to fetch. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Then I went into terminal and then I had to like DNF update and that worked fine. Uh, every time I went to a new section within Drake, uh, which basically comes up the configuration tool in the welcome screen, it wanted to install a new module and then a new module. I liked that it was modular. I didn't see where it would ever help me because as Jesse was saying, they're disconnected from wherever they're integrated. Like it's using network manager. So none of the network management stuff there actually applies to the desktop. So it, it felt very, very disconnected. But, you know, it still had some weird charm to it. It felt like the old Linux distros, not the new ones, which I'm kind of guilty of now, but the new ones are... You know, let's be modern, let's be fresh, and let's take things in a different direction. This this feels like the, the old Linux that we all got to know and, dare I say, love. Where you could sit down with a terminal and you would not be lost. If you knew Linux with the system, you would not be lost. You wouldn't have any wrenches coming at you because there was some custom stack or some new system or management thing. Like, you can cut all the bullshit off and just get down to the raw system. And that's kind of what I liked about it. And bonus point, even though I didn't like their installer, there was one thing they did right. So it's about two gigs the ISO. After I installed it, it's like it ran through a list of all the stuff, and it was like a Intel VAPI driver, and um, there was some hardware codecs, and there was a lot of like firmware packages. It's like you don't need these, and there was a lot of locale packages as well. And it offered to remove all of them from the system, so immediately it stripped my installation down of all the shit I didn't need. And I actually really like that. It's that kind of focus that I I think I appreciate. 
So even though I would never recommend that for new users, I think for the older crowd of users, it 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 kind of fits. I don't know. I'm going to flirt with it. I wonder if uh, if we can go from one positive to another. Have you got any uh, other positives, Phelan? Um Not so much positive. A strange thing I noticed. Um, I did the network install because I thought uh, I'm not downloading 3.6 gigs. And I didn't think that I actually had a bootable USB key or rather my laptop that I test this on was able to. Discovered it does, so it's great. But I downloaded the, like, it was about 70 megs uh, network install. And it's nice to have a network install. It's kind of cool, especially if you run, like, if, if you run it in a company, you could have a local mirror and you could just do it across network that way. That's cool. Um, but there was an interesting thing where you select the repos that you want to use and you could use this one called Taint, Tainted. Um, <laughs> and that is packages that are potentially illegal or contain illegal uh, things i guess back in the day when they had mp3 not being allowed in the states because of patents or whatever you had the unfree and uh you had the freedom stuff now i found it interesting that that welcome screen popped up and then told me all the packages that you know oh, you can use multimedia and i click on that and i see in a big red block above the name of one of the items tainted and i was like <laughs> okay um yeah block of shame. that's that's lovely <laughs> cheers um uh, non-free and free and all this and i just thought it was a bit of a strange thing it almost feels like somebody had to get a requirement for a government contract to <laughs> stick this in and they went right make sure that's everywhere so when you say you use the net installer did are you working with like a very you know low rent sort of dos based sort of install yeah um <laughs> now something is wrong with my laptop and everything had a red background i assume it was meant to have black but i can't guarantee that but yeah it looked essentially like the old uh debian style um net install so um you know you start off very low res you pick the discs and all that and then it kicks off but then it goes off and gets a proper graphic install for the rest of it and i imagine it's exactly like the other so uh, you're not you're not stuck in it for the entire install because it did it did occur to me to ask you the question, you've covered it, but the fact that when you get this welcome screen, when you use the live CD as uh, Ike did, and you get to the point of you can pick what you want to install from this welcome screen, and it also has non-free, and that's very clear as to what that's meaning, you can make that choice. And Tainted is also highlighted, and it seems like a, like, are you 100% non-free, or are you... A little, like, do you verge on the edge of caution? Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's a bit of a grey area in the middle. A few MP3s in the back alley. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. MP3s free now, don't forget. So, all right, in conclusion to this then, as far as I can see, it's it's not a distro that I'm going to use. Uh, it's not a distro that I, I can't really see who would use it. Uh, okay, Ike's made the point that people who want to feel nostalgic, but whatever i'm not buying that to me it feels like a distro that you can learn things from you can learn things that you should be doing and things that you shouldn't be doing and uh, you can not steal because it's open source you can take ideas and incorporate them into more modern distros because it feels very old everything about it i looked at the, the gnome and kde versions i tried out the xfce version and it Everything about it felt dated. It felt like there are more modern ways to do this stuff. But that's not to say you can't learn from the way they're doing some things. As I say, positive and negative. It, it, does that seem like a fair conclusion? 
I think it's a distro for the people who currently use it, and I just think no one else should touch it. I, and that sounds harsh, though, because, I mean, obviously they put loads of work in, and I don't feel like a dick, but I don't think you should show this to anybody. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's providing continuity for the existing user base. I think that's the main intention there. <laughs> it's not going to convert anyone to Linux. And I know we're getting at the end, and I hate to ask a question on it, but... The point we made where they have their own config tool, they have their own install tool, whereas actually, if you use modern desktops like GNOME KDE, they have their config tools and their install tools. Are they wasting effort on making their own versions, even if they worked flawlessly alongside the the sort of desktop install and configuration tools? It just seems odd now to have duplicates, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, it's like writing your own package manager. That would be ridiculous. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I do take the point, Jesse, yeah. But, you know, let them do what they want to do. And maybe... One thing I noticed, right, I think I'm probably the only one of us who tried all three of them. There was consistency across all three of them. And I think that the only way you can really achieve that is by writing your own tools. Like the... Yeah, um, you need the lifeblood of the distro to be the same regardless of the face. Yeah, exactly. So I, I do admire that as well. And as I said, there's things that can be learned from it. And yeah, I think it's it's satisfying the existing users, but I'm not going to be installing it on anyone's laptop for them, I'm afraid. And I'm not going to be keeping it around on mine. I'd say fair play to them, you know. That's yeah. basically all I can say of it. You know, they're, they're, they have a user base. They're staying faithful to them. They haven't felt obligated to follow the march of the other distros. And that might be a good thing, it might be a bad thing. You could look at it as lemmings on a cliff. And they might be saying, well, you know, this has worked for us for a long time and we're going to continue to do it. So you you kind of got to take your hat off to that as well. Just not my hat, because we know that doesn't leave my head. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? The top hat, the chimney sweep one. Oh, yeah, Uh, no, I've got multiple hats. (laughs) Anyway, right, um, that had better do it for this one then. I keep meaning, here we are, 16 episodes in, and we haven't, like scripted anything to say goodbye uh instead we just have to have this awkward fucking shambling out of episodes i suppose no one gets this far if you do get this far (laughs) let us know um how are you still here (laughs) why are you still here all right so we will see you again in well you won't see us or we won't see you you'll hear us anyway whatever we'll be back in two weeks for the last proper episode before og camp um and i suppose until then then i've been joe oh, i was about to say your lordship but um no I, i've been jesse phelan <laughs> milady <laughs> say it milady you're supposed to say i'm still ikey that's your thing oh is that my thing now oh right well <clears throat> i'm still ikey hey. <laughs> hey. good job we didn't drag that one out huh <laughs>